Welcome back to the Science Boys podcast. I'm Mo. And I'm Yannis. And today we're going to do simulation hypothesis, actually, part two. Hey, Yanni, why is it actually a hypothesis? We were calling it simulation theory before. So when we're talking in scientific terms, hypothesis and theory are very different. Hypothesis can be proven true or false, and it's just like a, a hypothesis, like a, a guess, a prediction of uh, how something might work. Right. But a theory is um, an actual explanation of physical phenomena. So theory yes. of gravity, theory of relativity. We know those things are real because exactly. we prove them with math, with experiments again, again, again. Yes, sir. Um, hypothesis, uh, in order to be an actual hypothesis, scientific hypothesis, uh, one should be able to uh, test the hypothesis. Mm -hmm. So you cannot say, there is a, a bottle in orbit around Jupiter. How, how am I supposed to test it? So, uh, no, maybe, maybe not. It's not. It's not a good hypothesis. Right. But when we're talking like in the real world with other people that are not scientists, there is no real difference between hypothesis and theory. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. they're using the terms, and they mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. But if we want to be scientific, scientifically accurate. For this episode, we'll say simulation hypothesis. Yes. And we'll try to approach it more with, with a scientific way and less with a philosophical. Mm -hmm. Just for future reference, if we do mention simulation theory, it's definitely a mistype or misspoken word. It, we refer to hypothesis. Yeah. Anyways, to continue with that theory, or <laughs> to continue with the hypothesis, uh, do you think there are ways to understand involuntary things like for example from a chemical from a chemistry perspective what I'm, the example i'm about to say is obvious of course there's a way to explain it but for people who have depression specifically for people who have depression their energy levels are very low they have a hard time getting out of bed even brushing their teeth or showering it's not like they woke up and chose oh I, i'm not gonna do anything today but do you think that there's a, a way to explain that beyond like through simulation theory like like a sort of sims type video game where he's like the programmer is like oh this person's not going to do shit today <laughs> uh i i don't know like well obviously it's dopamine levels and chemistry and all that stuff but do, do you think there could be some sort of computer program that writes and was like this person will do nothing today or, maybe if, if we are a simulation mm -hmm. If we are in a simulation, then yeah, maybe there every now and then there is a function that automatically changes some some constants. You mm -hmm. mentioned dopamine. Maybe it says, okay, today yes. let's make the dopamine decrease by fifty percent. Right. Um, or it can mess with the probabilities mm -hmm. uh, and that something. You know, sometimes you feel that you are really lucky and everything goes perfect. Some other days everything goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Some people like to say, oh, this is uh, something's wrong with the code. It's it's a bug in the code mm -hmm. of the simulation. But is it though? It's all probability because, for for example, if I'm making a commute to school, one day I'll have all green lights and then another day coming back, I'll have all red lights and it'll happen like that or it's any sort of combination in between because I've actually experienced entirely green lights up until the highway and then I get to school in five minutes. Whereas 
on days on days where I'm super busy or if I have a test, I'll run into every single red light. And I will I would either be late for the test or I would show up barely on time. All right. So our brains cannot understand probabilities. Mm-hmm. They're really bad at understanding what probability means. It doesn't matter how good you are at math, we're still having the same issue. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, let's let's say we're playing basketball and there is a player that has fifty percent three point shoots. Mm-hmm. Shoots a, a every other makes shot, a shot, he makes it. Yeah, but you're wrong. No, he doesn't. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean if you miss one, the next one, he will make it. No, mm-hmm. you don't know. What you know is that, is that if he shoots 1,000, he will make about 500. That's what you know. But your brain will automatically go like what you said. Mm-hmm. Every other, he will make it. No, that's a problem with probabilities. We don't understand them. Right. You said sometimes all, your, all the lights are green, sometimes all red. It might seem weird, like, what are the odds? Maybe they're very high depending on the time and the traffic. Right. Maybe being all green is actually normal. Not being all green is not normal. Mm-hmm. It depends on the road and the traffic and the time of the day. I totally agree. Also, the brain happens to like finding meaning in things that are relatively meaningless. Yeah, it tries to find patterns. Probability, it's just... It, it is what it is. It's a statistic. It's it's, it's, it's an event. It's a completely random event. So if you get all green lights, for example, your brain will start thinking, why did I get all green lights? Instead of asking, oh, this was just one out of however many possibilities there were. So if because same with that's one, the one question science cannot ask, why did something happen like that? Or to be more precise, it, it can ask why, but to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, you can go like, this happened because uh, of this law or this right. theory, but but at the end of the day, there is no some block. meaning or some god, right. some plan. It just happened. I totally agree. I'm going to switch the topic a little bit. Right. So, to go into more of a psychology aspect, when we interpret light, when we we use all five of our senses—sight, taste, touch, whatever—we use all five of these senses, and the brain envisions what the world looks like so to us reality is nothing but the fact that you and i are sitting here agreeing on what we see or what we hear or what we touch but to a schizophrenic reality is exactly what he sees and we just disagree because we don't see the same or we don't feel the same senses as him you know what i'm saying yeah so how do we explain this in more obviously we don't have all the answers but it's interesting to think about stuff like this and try to find a reasonable answer. How do we explain how what? How exactly do schizophrenic people see the reality as a completely different thing than we see it? Like, could that be part of the simulation? Like, the programmer's like, oh, this person gets incredibly high levels of X or Y. Well, I don't know the We know it's a malfunction in the brain. We know it's a, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a mental problem. We know that. But what they see and what they feel is... It looks real, real to, to them. them, yeah. But so we know it. How isn't. do we discard that? Just because we don't agree doesn't mean that it's not it's real. It's not to that them. we don't agree. It's that we know there is something wrong in the brain. Mm-hmm. The problem is that we do not understand the brain at all. We have That's no idea what's going on. We, lo- I think, we know up to five or ten percent of what's happening in the brain. Mm-hmm. We don't understand it. So very true. I I do also want to mention that 
A hallucination, or what we perceive as a hallucination, is an uncontrolled perception. So with psych- with a schizophrenia, they, they physically can't control their senses, so therefore they hallucinate. But then if we're going to take that to an opposite, a perception is nothing but a controlled hallucination, right? So what we perceive and what we agree on, we are essentially both hallucinating the same thing. And that's why we agree. Because every the light that comes from that light enters my brain, and then I envision that light through my eyes, or in my brain, but it, the, eye, the light comes through my eyes as a, what, what's the word? It's like a signal, kind of. It receives it. Yeah, a signal. Yeah. So my yeah. eyes are like the signal that receives the light, and then my brain pictures the light and approximately how far away it is, like two and a half, three So meters. that's not a hallucination. That's your perception of the mm-hmm. world. And as far as it agrees with your intuition, mm-hmm. it makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. You won't try to fight it but uh it's very easy to mess with someone and with the reality like uh, there's a very famous uh, psychological experiment there were 20 people 20 people in a room 19 of them uh only one was the actual um, right the actual participant yeah okay but this one the other 19 were part of the project mm-hmm. and all of them uh, were shown three lines like on a piece of paper line a line b and line c and they were asked which one is bigger line a was clearly way bigger than the other the other two lines Mm -hmm. and c was the smallest one Mm -hmm. all 19 uh of the subjects that were not actual participants they they were like put there by the researchers they're like they they all said c is the biggest and the participant was like was he was confused because obviously the, right. the A was the correct one. But when he, it was his uh, turn, he said C. He went with the, what the other people said. The majority vote, yeah. yeah. So it's peer, peer pressure is, we don't have that much trust to our, ourselves. If everyone else says something, then okay, maybe we are wrong. Mm-hmm. So back to what you said, how we know that what the schizophrenic sees mm-hmm. is wrong. We, well, I don't want to say we don't, but... If you're drawing an analogy, then you completely backfired on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say that we don't, but we know that something is wrong. Okay, The way they're behaving, it, it doesn't follow the way most of us behave. I see. They're yeah. seeing things or hearing voices that we don't. And they're clearly not there. Like Everything is in their brain. Right. Everything's in their, in their mind. That's how we know it's it's something wrong. Mm-hmm. That's how we know it's not normal. Do you think that science develops and in, develops into more psychology, or do you think that would be more neuroscience to understand how that works? Because it would be more, in my mind, it would be more neuroscience to understand and truly grasp how the mind works. It, but psychology could, is like could. the intro into that. Maybe maybe it's neuroscience and how everything's mm-hmm. connected. Maybe maybe it's psychology. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's physics and math Maybe. somehow. I don't know. Maybe. And then earlier you mentioned to me, this was off the podcast, but you mentioned to me that in order to make one particle have a spin that's 20 times, it would take about a terabyte of information. Oh, you mean? Okay, correct? yeah. So I read an article mm-hmm. that uh, explains a scientific paper. I think it was written, it was published in 2017. Just uh, to clarify, one terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes, correct? 
Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Anyways. It's, it's huge. <laughs> anyway, uh, some scientists, physicists, and mathematicians, they they want to answer the simulation hypothesis as much as they could. So right. they, they wrote a paper and they were describing why it's mathematically impossible to mm -hmm. to be in a simulation. And what they describe is that, that in order to simulate something that complex, that complicated, the computer that you need is going to be so huge that the atoms you need to build the computer are more than the atoms that exist in the universe. Interesting. It's So it's mathematically impossible. But if this was a program, then how do we know that the computer is the universe? What if it's more than just the observable, like a multiverse, for example? What do you mean? Like if all the, if you said that the computer to build the entire universe would need more atoms than the actual observable universe, correct? Yes, yes. But what if there was a multiverse? Then so it would. Then what? What? Then? There would be infinite times more atoms than the observable universe to. Yeah, but in computer. order to simulate each of them, you need another computer. But if it was all just run on one, or some sort of like like the internet is. But if you have the universe and then you add another universe, then you need. Why do you need two computers? You would just need one server to run both programs. Which is even bigger now that you have two universes. I don't know enough about the internet to continue that, <laughs> to be honest with you. But what, what you're saying makes sense. It, it doesn't make sense that the program or the computer itself, or what you make what you said makes sense that reality can't be a simulation because of the fact that there's more atoms required to build the thing than that actually exists. The paper clearly says with that, with the math and the physics we know, mm -hmm. it's not possible. It's impossible to have something like that. Mm -hmm. and one can ask, okay, what if there is a civilization that has a more advanced technology? Well, there are two answers to that. First, there are some physical barriers to how fast a computer can be. Mm -hmm. uh, a transistor can be, cannot be as small as we want, as fast as we want. There is a physical barrier. After, after some size, we have quantum effects and it messes up with everything. So we have to use quantum computers. We are very far away from, very far from quantum computers, but even if they're using quantum computing, still it's almost impossible. I thought we had quantum computers. No? Yeah, but they have to be in very low temperature. They have the size of half this room. That's it's huge. True. Yeah. And they can only make some calculations. I mean, just 50, 60 years ago, we went to the moon with the amount of data we all carry in our phones right even, now. Even less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's crazy to think the the device we have in our hand has more power. information, more power than what scientists used in 1969 to get to the moon. Yeah, it was very different back then. Mm -hmm. Um. But I do also want to mention that a physicist, theoretical physicist, might I add, his name is David Bohm. To go back to the schizophrenia topic. Okay. Uh, David Bohm said that reality is what we take to be true. What we take to be true is what we what we believe, and what we believe is based on our perceptions. What we perceive depends on what we look for. So what we look for depends on what we think. What we think depends on <laughs> on what we perceive, and what we perceive determines what we believe, and so on and so forth. So essentially, it's just a never-ending loop. At the end of the day, we don't know for sure, and 
this is coming from a theoretical physicist and even he even he doesn't know so do you have any final thoughts to close this off or uh yeah it's we cannot answer this question yes because even if we are part of simulation we won't be able to tell mm -hmm. we'll never be able to understand and actually prove something like that we won't be able to do it maybe jesus is neo <laughs> maybe maybe but yeah, that's that's my comment. We cannot answer this question because it's not a valid question. It's so fun to think about. It, though. It, it's interesting to talk about it mm -hmm. and think about it, but you cannot answer it I because it's, it's most of philosophical question or more. Of, it's very close to religion. Like mm -hmm. maybe there is a, a god, a creator, and God has a plan. Or, it's all part of the program. <laughs> yeah, see, it's very, very yeah, close. very similar. It's a tendency people have to put a reason behind everything that happens to make to add one final thought before maybe this isn't a final thought but okay <laughs> when you said that everything has to have a reason it, it made me think about this episode of rick and morty so in this episode of rick and morty rick's spaceship let it, it broke it breaks down so then he let he lands on some planet parks his spaceship or whatever and he goes to fix his battery the way he goes to fix his battery the man turns himself into a quantum person thing and shoots himself into the battery. And well, inside that battery is another universe. That powers the battery. That powers the battery. So if we look for meaning in everything, the entire point of that universe was to power the battery yeah. of a man's spaceship or in this analogous to a car. So if we look for meaning in everything, then we will never be satisfied at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, science is all we can really, truly trust. Yeah, I think the the sad truth is that there is no meaning. It's it's just life, you know. It's it's sad, but it's the truth. At least for me, I don't think there is a meaning behind everything and anything. But that's also kind of freeing, you know, because if there's no meaning, you're free to do what you want. Are you? More or less. Or are you governed by the, the laws of thermodynamics and probability? This is gonna go into determinism versus free will, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. That's also a whole another debate oh, yeah. topic. <laughs> I think we're going to call it a day. I think so, too. So, signing off, we are Mo and Yanni in the Science Boys podcast. Bye. Bye-bye.